0: Hey everyone, this is Justin. Thanks for listening and joining with us online. It's been amazing to see everyone online for our Sunday worship services. And if you're not, I want to invite you to jump into our Zoom call Sunday morning. We'll have a time of Q&A after the service so you can chat with our pastors. Also, thank you online community for your giving, for your support to Hug and Hug's vision. We want to encourage you to give online at hugchurch.com slash give. We appreciate every dollar amount so we can continue to serve and to love the people in our community as best we can. All right, well, this week, Anthony shares a powerful and vulnerable message on our series called Ready. So don't miss this one. It's a good one. Here's Anthony. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you're here with us. If this is your first time here tuning in, thank you for joining us. My name's Anthony. I'm one of the pastors here at HUG. And man, it has been an interesting week this past week. Everywhere I go, I've been seeing people wear these masks. And every time I go out, every time I leave the house, every time I walk my dog, the grocery store, I have to walk out with a mask. And if I could kind of speak honestly, I kind of like it. I kind of like walking out with my mask because it makes me feel like Bane from Batman. This past week, I went to the grocery store and one of the cashiers asked, hey, would you like a bag? And I don't know what was going on inside me, but then I just looked at her and says... Yes, I want a bag. And realizing what I just did, I grabbed my stuff and I just ran out. Oh, man. And it's just been this crazy thing, just trying to adjust everything that's going on right now. And do you sometimes feel that it's just overwhelming? That it just feels so crazy? That even at work, your supervisor is giving you more responsibility, more things to do. And they're giving it to you and not even being clear what they're doing. Maybe they're giving you deadlines the night before, and you have to stay up all night just to do it. They're giving you all this work because, hey, you're home, right? You got nothing else to do. Or maybe it's your relationships. Right now, you're just stuck in a place. Maybe it's your relationship with your family your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend. And this space, or the lack of, is making you go crazy. That you can't find a single moment to be by yourself. A single moment that you can just have you time, or me time. Maybe you feel that God just threw you in the ocean. And all your plans just got thrown out the window. And you're feeling that what can I do when all this craziness is happening? What can happen when I feel like I can't control anything? And right now, we're wondering what do I do when I just feel that the only thing I can do is just survive? Well, right now we're on a series of how to thrive and not just survive. Because we're wondering, how can I thrive when I feel like I'm in a season that I'm just trying to survive? I'm just trying to make it. How do I thrive when the season like this is right now in my life? And today, we want to look at how God wants you to thrive and not just survive. And I want to ask this question. What can I do when I don't feel like I have control? And we get to look at one of my favorite stories, the story of Esther. Now, the story of Esther is, Esther is a young Jewish girl, but her homeland is destroyed. Her mom and dad died. And her cousin Mordecai adopted her into his family. And the story begins in Persia with King Xerxes. If you guys watched the movie 300, do you guys remember the guy with all the jewelry over his body? Yeah, it's that guy. King Xerxes was having a banquet for all the people. And on the last day of his banquet, he called for his wife, the queen, to come up. But she refused and didn't show up. Being so embarrassed, being so angry, King Xerxes then made a decree. that says, you know what? I want all the virgins in the land to come and I'm going to choose the next new queen. And then Esther Esther was pulled because of this king's decree. And when Xerxes saw Esther, he was pleased. He loved her. And he crowned her queen over all the land. But there was this other guy. And this man named Haman was going to twist and turn, basically flip Esther's world upside down. And that's exactly where we're going to start in Esther chapter 3, verse 1. And it starts like this. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the entire empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Now we have Haman being introduced to the story. Haman the Agagite, or also known as the Amalekites. And if you guys didn't know, the Amalekites are like the sworn enemy of the Jews ever since the beginning of the first kings of Israel. So was, not only was Haman the sworn enemy, an Amalekite, he also saw himself as this god Because in the Persian Empire, in the Persian culture, they believed that the high officials were this divine being, this God. And Mordecai, this Jew, decided not to bow to him. And we continue reading. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, He looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Mordecai just didn't do it once. He didn't do it twice. He continued not to do it because he believed what he was doing was right. But even though Esther's cousin, Mordecai, believed what he was doing was right, it brought disaster onto him. It it brought disaster not only to him, but it brought disaster to all the Jews. What's happening? And when Esther heard of what was happening, I mean, you can imagine what's going on in her mind. What's going on? How is this happening? Why is this happening? When when life is supposed to be perfect, life's supposed to be good right now, and it goes out of control. What do we do? And then Esther was faced with this decision, is do I do something? Or do I stay silent? It was left with this choice, because if she decided to do something, then she could die. But if she decides not to do anything, then her people, her family will die. And Esther begins to share her concerns, share what's going on, and she shares. In Esther four, eleven, it says this, Esther shares, All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. Esther knew what was at stake. Esther knew what was happening, that if she went, if she'd done something, she could die. I mean, her own husband didn't want to even see her. Her own husband didn't even see her for a month. She knew that if she went without being called, she would die. Can you imagine, what can I do in this situation? I can't control anything. Esther couldn't control anything. And even in the midst of all this, we see Mordecai, encouraging Esther. And he says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this, for a time as This, Esther knew that a decision needed to be made, that she either needed to go and talk to the king or she decides to remain silent. And two choices come with two consequences. And we're wondering, what can you do when life's out of control? What can you do when you feel that life is out of your control? But you see, one thing we want to remember is that no matter if life is out of control, no matter if things in our life is out of control, there is something, there is always something we can control. And Esther replies, In verse 15, Esther replies to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maid and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. Esther knew what was at stake. Esther knew what she had to do. She had every reason, every reason to make excuses, every reason to not do what she was going to do. Her homeland was destroyed. Her mom and dad dead. She was even abducted by the king Xerxes. Xerxes took her away from the very home that she had whatever family she had left with Mordecai. And she was trapped in these four walls. But despite having this mindset, despite having this this idea that I'm a victim, that I'm trapped in these four walls, Esther said, no, I'm going to own what I can control. I can make a decision. I can do something. Because sometimes, we sometimes think that when I don't like the outcome of any choice, we feel like we don't have any choices. But that's not the case. We can control something in our lives. And for Esther, she controlled a decision that I will go and talk to the king. And if I must die, I'll die. But I choose to save my family. I choose to save my people, no matter the risk, no matter the consequence. And we look at this, is that how in the world can, can Esther do this in this time? How in the world can we have control? What can we do when we feel like we don't have control? It's because when Esther, when she owned that she could control the decision that she makes, God came and redeemed and saved the people. When Esther chose to own what she, can, what she can't control, God came and restored the people. When Esther owned what she can control, God restores. And I want to show you what that looks like in my own life. You know, when I first came to Hug, um, I was the new guy, and a bunch of people loved to come and ask me questions. And they would ask me, like, hey, like, what do you like to do? What do you like? You know, are you dating? And I'll be like, oh, you know, I like these things. No, I'm not dating. And people, they'll be, you know, they'll be nice. They'll be like, oh, how come you're not dating? You're such a nice guy. And I'll be like, oh, thank you. I, you know, I appreciate it. But right before coming to Hug, I was in a relationship. I was actually in a very serious relationship. I, I bought a ring. I was going to propose. But then I broke it off. I, I broke it off because I began to put these expectations onto her. Expectations I I didn't even know that I was placing, that I, I was even doing. I was expecting her to fit into this mode, to fit into this personality that will help me, that would be good for me. And when things started to get rocky and when things got rough, I started to make excuses and says, you know what, maybe we're just not a good fit. And I broke it off. I made all these excuses. I try to, in my mind, I, I, I try to legitimize every, every reason, like, oh, we're not a good fit, or oh, maybe we're just not a good match. But honestly, what I was doing was, I was just being selfish. I wanted her to be someone. I wanted her to be someone else. And when she wasn't the person whom I thought, or when, when she wasn't the one I wanted her to be, I made her the bad guy. I made her the bad person in the relationship. We're not a good fit. And I made myself the victim. And let me tell you, that's not the case. when I started to go to counseling and I started to talk about this, I began to realize what I was actually doing. What I was actually placing onto her. That it wasn't her, but it was me. And what I did, is, I finally realized that what I was telling her was that if you didn't change, then you're not good enough for me. And when I realized that, I knew I needed to call her. I called her and... Or I I asked to call her and I heard her voice on the other line. I wanted so bad to small talk. I wanted to... Delay what I was going to do because I didn't want to do it. Because I was nervous, because I was scared. I was ashamed of what I did. And on the phone, I, the words came out and I, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not loving you. I'm sorry, I blamed you for what happened to us. Blaming you and making you feel that you weren't good enough. Because I blamed you for our relationship. Because I wanted you to be a certain way. I wanted you to do certain things. And when you didn't do it, I blamed you saying that you weren't a good girlfriend. But that's not the case. Because I, I want to tell you that I want to take full ownership of what happened to our relationship. Because I didn't love you the way you should have been loved. I only wanted to love you when it was convenient for me. I wanted to love you only when you changed. And what I did to you is, I I started to build walls. I started to build these these shields around me so that I wouldn't get emotionally attached anymore. And I start and I pushed you away. And I'm sorry for making, for not leading our relationship. That I I I, jas- I, I basically I what I did was. I, I made circumstances judge where we were going to go, what we were going to do, what was going to happen to our relationship. I didn't fight. I didn't move. I didn't lead us to a place where we can say that we unconditionally loved one another. And I gave up. And I said, I'm done. You see, When I told her that, I heard her voice, and she said, thank you. Those words touched my heart so much. I was so grateful that she was willing to talk to me. And I was even more thankful that she was able to receive my apology. Because even though, even though I can learn from my mistakes, I was too late. I didn't own what I can control. I didn't get to own my responsibilities, what I can do to save my relationship. I didn't own it. And I chose my relationship to die. But Esther, Esther didn't choose to have her people, have her family die. Esther chose to go. She said, I will go. If I die, I will die. She chose to go. She chose to save her family, to save her people. She chose to own what she can control. And God redeemed. There's so many things in our life right now that I wonder how many times have we made excuses? How easy is it to make excuses? I get it, I did it. But right now it's not the time to make excuses. Because God doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to thrive. And maybe right now in your workplace, God is challenging you right now to take full ownership of what's going on, of your projects, of your coworkers, of everything. He's asking you to be a leader in your workplace at this very moment. Maybe in your families, maybe in your relationship, God is calling you to not sit back and allow circumstances to judge what's gonna happen to your family, to your relationships like what I did. But God is challenging you. God is raising you and building you and leading you to lead your family into love. Lead your family into health. Not pushing each other away when it's so tempting, but to open each other up and have a deeper relationship. Maybe God is calling you to build authentic relationships here at church and you've been putting off community groups, you've been putting off maybe even starting a community group. And maybe God is finally placing that into your heart, saying that I want you to own what you can control so that God can restore you. When we own what we can control, God can restore. When we own what what we can control, God restores. He can restore your life. He can restore your relationship. He can restore your purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so easy for us to make excuses. It's so tempting for us to just sit back and allow things to happen and then blame others, God, and blame. But Lord, may we no longer just want to blame the circumstances or blame people, but God, may we begin to own, may we begin to own what we can control so that Lord, you will restore, you will bring up The life that, Lord, a life that thrives. So, God, I pray that you may reveal the things, the innermost part of our hearts. May you begin to open what we've been hiding, what we have been wanting to to not show. But Lord, may we see that, God, that you want to bring these things out because, God, you want to show how you can redeem us and, God, how you want to make us thrive in our life. So, Father, I pray. I pray for courage for everyone who is hearing this. That is not an easy journey. But, Lord, we pray for the strength to endure the difficult one so that we can see how you restore Father, bless us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen.